1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Jeff, that Ascension promo.
2: (laughs) You know what's funny is that WWE gets it both ways on that Ascension promo. I mean, the the promo itself sucked. (laughs) Um, This this
1: only ends well. If at WrestleMania we get the Ascension versus Axe, Smash, and Animal, that has to be where this is going.
2: And the reanimated corpse of Draws and Hawk. Something. Maybe maybe Heidenreich.
1: There's a lot of theories on this, and we're going to talk about it today on Shake Them Ropes. Robin McCarran. hashtag Authority, hashtag Steph Bouncy, hashtag SmackDown 15. Jeff Hawkins.
2: You done digging that hole?
1: You're listening to Shake
3: Them Ropes with Rob McCarran and Jeff Hawkins.
2: Dance on your grave, dirt so sheet rider.
1: Hey, homeboy, gather around. Some <laughs> serious stuff is gonna go down. All the wrestle war died. The kings of the ring all come
0: together and do the wild thing. Lex like Luka, the stunners, think your boys' Yeah, they'll all be doing that. Wild thing. Yeah, they all be there with something to prove. Brimming with intentions to bust the move.
1: They're going to bust a move, Jeff.
2: <laughs> Thank you for fulfilling my request.
1: Yes, you asked me to uh, get that sound on the show, and I have <laughs> oh done so. Oh my
2: god, it is the worst song um, ever used for a pay-per-view.
1: And of course, it fits in today's show, because later on in the show, we are going to talk about the, uh, we continue our rolling on to the top 100 matches to see on the WWE Network Before You Die. It is number 93, Lex Luger, Rick Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, at Wrestle War nineteen ninety, which was begun on television and pay-per-view with that theme song you just heard. Is Excellent. That PM news? Uh may- News? I don't know. I don't you know, know what's funny is even in was.
2: nineteen even in nineteen ninety, that kind of rap felt lame.
1: Oh sure. Uh Shake Them Ropes, number fifty nine. It is episode fifty nine. Rob McCarran here, Jeff Hawkins. It is the first episode of 2015, the first proper episode, if you will. Uh, you can find us at voices of wrestling.com shake them ropes.com at shake them ropes on Twitter. Uh, we also, uh, let's, let's just begin with the hype for our last couple of shows. We did a uh, extra episode talking about new Japan, the matches of the year. Jeff joined to talk about the craziness going on on raw, uh, shake them ropes extra. You can find it voices of wrestling and shake them ropes.com. And we had 10 minutes with Dylan Hales on the WWE 2014 MVP. Uh, Jeff, did you get a chance to listen at all to uh, Dylan Hales's? uh, choice for MVP in 2015 I did or 2014
2: I don't I don't see the need to unnecessarily bury me when I'm not on the
1: show <laughs> I don't know who did that I don't know anyone uh, who did that the two,
2: the two of you during your yeah. little Stephanie conversation
1: well we're just trying to you know we're trying to get you to see the light uh, I don't know if last night's raw necessarily uh, you know was a good accomplishment of that but uh no. probably not <laughs> Um, but yeah, he, uh, Dylan Hales thought that Rusev was the the best choice for WWE MVP in 2014. And you know what? I don't think he's far off. We didn't include think, him in our yes, candidates, but okay. Yes, why is. Why is that?
2: Because he's not high enough on the card to be an MVP.
1: I, I mean, I agree with that. And the re, we chose Brock Lesnar, of course. Um, right. I, I would suggest that all of you go to shakethemropes.com. It's on our front page. Uh, listen to Dylan's argument as to why Rusev is the MVP. Uh, kind of the same arguments why we had him as the rookie of the year. Uh, because, yes, he's not a top guy yet. I think he was an excellent candidate next year. You know, this current year that we're in 2015 to be up there. But not not quite yet.
2: I think the argument for all our nominees was stronger. And I think Dylan was making an argument to make an argument. I'm not going to say he was wrong. I just don't think he's right.
1: Sure. Uh, we're also going to talk about NXT television uh, from this week and NXT in general. Uh, brief thoughts on New Japan Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 9 that we both mm-hmm. saw from this week. And a big hyped up event, especially if you go to VoicesOfWrestling.com. I mean, it's all New Japan right now. So if you're a New Japan fan, go to VoicesOfWrestling.com. Get the uh, book. Get the book. There's it's an e-book. awesome. There's it's an e awesome. from Voices of Wrestling, uh, The Year in Review uh we're going to talk a little bit maybe about TNA redebuting on television uh, this Wednesday maybe just a little tad bit okay. you know yeah maybe, maybe we'll see uh but first Jeff we have WWE to discuss and especially this week's stellar amazing and the rob means awesome Monday night raw <laughs> was this not your favorite television show of the year so far
2: meet the new boss same as the you old get, boss yeah, yeah.
1: It was a, uh, well, this is the thing, okay, because last week on this show, in our segment on STR Extra, I put over last week's Raw that it could have been the best Raw of 2014. I was so happy about that show. I was so hyped of that episode. I thought, you know, except for the the ending, top to bottom, good matches, somewhat good storytelling. The time flew by. Last week's episode, I really liked. It was different. I think that's what you liked. There were promos. You were getting character development. And then this week, from the same guys that we saw get character development last week, we the big ones were Cesaro and the Ryback. I think they had three words between <laughs> the both of them on this episode. Uh, it, was, it was one extreme to the other going on this week. A, a Raw that I just thought went on for six hours.
2: Three words between the two of them and three words too many from Roman Reigns. Oh, good Lord, that promo.
1: Well, which is funny because I've been seeing a lot now about the Roman Reigns promo from this episode of Raw. And I guess maybe I'm just used to Roman Reigns not knowing exactly what to say, whether he has words written for him or not. It just doesn't come out. And I didn't think it was anything special on the good or bad end. I just thought it was another Roman Reigns promo. Um, Well, that's not true because I actually thought um, when he got on TV... With Renee Young, I thought, okay, this is how you use Roman Reigns—you put him on TV with Renee Young, you let him just be himself. His best work has been those one-minute promos with Renee, but this one was just another Roman Reigns promo to me. I didn't think of it as anything awful. I, what was so awful about this one?
2: Well, on, honestly, I think the same promo problem with Roman Reigns promo is the same problem with the uh, with the Ascension promo. Okay. Just let ass kickers be ass kickers. Sure. That's all. That's all we really want. The problem with Roman Reigns is they want to make him the Rock, yeah. And he should be he should be Stone Cold to some respect, but they want him to be marketable and charismatic and be able to sell breakfast cereal and coffee or plushy toys or something to that effect. And and this is not his wheelhouse just yet. Make him a butt kicker and and whatever happened to the strong silent type? Sure. That's who he should be. Goldberg didn't say a word for almost a year. Well, Roman got over fine. Yeah.
1: And Roman Reigns got over throughout the year and a half of the shield. You know, Seth Rollins was doing the talking. Roman Reigns would do his one line at the end. Believe in the shield. Exactly. That's
2: all he would do. That's all he'd do.
1: He was the one who just said the one line, but he did the biggest, you know, the ass kicking, if you will. And now he's got to talk more. And if you're going to have him talk more, I don't think it's the end of the world to have Roman Reigns speak because there are some times. And again, I go back to the promos he has that are usually on the app or the post show with Renee Young. Those That's are pretty good.
2: It. Yeah. That, well, when they're cutting loose and nobody cares. Right. When
1: he's just himself. But now he's going to come out and, you know, just say these words. I didn't think anything of the Raw promo, but uh, yeah, it's getting trashed by a lot of people. It was just it was so
2: try hard.
1: <laughs> it really was. Let's go through this episode and hit the big bullet points. Um the first the the big topic of conversation is the authorities back. You know, we talked about it on STR Extra where, you know, they're back with little build up. It was only a month and a half and not even really that they uh they were gone. You know, Dolph Ziggler sent them packing. John Cena and his team sent them packing. And now it, it ends up that Big Show made the right move at Survivor Series because he was the only one who saw this coming. He knew that the Authority <laughs> wouldn't be gone for long. And Maybe he's, he's been
2: watching TV for the last year because it's the same pattern over and over again. Authority screws superstars. Superstars get come up and set the pay-per-view, and it's all for nothing on the next Monday.
1: And it's not just to say that they're back because I, I didn't think they would be back this quick as like the Authority uh, group in as power overbear- as the overbearing authority. Oh, sort of. I, I thought Triple H would come back as okay. wrestler Triple H, you know, mm-hmm. because again, we, we all see this coming that it's probably going to be Triple H and sting at WrestleMania. So I figured, okay, he's coming back, but he's not going to have any power, but no, they just brought the back, the authority in full power. So it's not so much they're back on TV. Cause I expected it and I think it works, but it is again, that they're back in power and in the same storyline that we just saw leading into survivor series where they're bashing all the baby faces that are against them.
2: And they're burying the heels in the roster too. They're all standing out there like geeks. Yeah. Everyone during,
1: during that promo, Darren Clinton Young, the, his big Clinton Clinton TV the return Clinton of
2: Darren Young. Yes. Yeah. I, I'd hope you'd picked up on that as seen as shadow. Well, there were
1: some oh. out there that I, I read a couple of, uh, you know, tweets or reviews that, you know, Dean Ambrose couldn't even get out there in the ring. Well, Dean Ambrose was in the ring during that opening segment. He was in the ring for that, but oh. you wouldn't notice because he was buried behind all of the geeks just laughing there in the background.
2: Yeah, it's it's the complaint I have about Stephanie is that she doesn't help get anybody over except herself and triple H for it's, the most part. And that's all the authority gets over. Really? I, the only thing I really liked about this opening segment was the hang dog Cena face mm-hmm. and the, the uh, inclusion of Seth Rollins into the main event at Royal rumble. I thought that made perfect sense.
1: That was nice because yeah, we're not just getting another Brock Lesnar, John Cena match. We had Seth Rollins entered in. He's going to be the main event, triple threat. And now for those, and you
2: had the, those... the money in the bank threat still as well, that you yeah. can cash in any time after this
1: match is over. He can lose the match, beat up There's somebody still... and then cash in for another match and get the title right there.
2: I thought that was fine. And I liked the ending too. The ending was fine. Everything, but everything
1: kind of in between, the ending was you know, somewhat the savior of the show. Um, yeah. You had the dancing, the celebration, because it does kind of build heat. I mean, it puts John Cena in a lower light and we'll we'll get to that. I couldn't help but think during this entire show, really, uh, not to skip ahead too far, is who's going to get over at the end of this? We had Dolph Ziggler, the Ryback, and Rowan fired. Is John Cena going to be the one to save their job somehow in a match? Or is it going to be Sting coming back to fight for these three guys against Triple H. Is that going to be the storyline? But who gets over at the end of this? It's either going to be John Cena or Sting getting over. Dolph Ziggler's is going to have to rely on someone else to save yeah. him. Roman's going to have end, to rely that, on someone else.
2: That ends the Ziggler and Ryback pushes. It's over. And the characterizations right there. That ends it. If somebody else helps them get their jobs back. And for me... You know, you can book this storyline, it's fine, if you want to fire them. And they've even gone the extra mile as to add these people to the alumni section of WWE.com. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you were privy to that Oh, yeah, yet. I saw that, yeah. But. Yes, they did. Here, okay, try and screw them and have them win their matches and then fire them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because. You've added insult to injury now, and I get that, but they're not—they're not, they're not going to get their big comeback until it's like a run-in, and the pop will be okay, but the characterization is dead. Right? Ry- Ryback is this positive butt kicker. I mean, hey, if he—if he's so big into the secret, he should be very positive about his firing now, because there's other opportunities out there.
1: He's going to have to go read the Secret Two to get the motivation back again. There's, there's a Secret Two. Well, maybe he can write it. Electric Boogaloo. The secret to how I got fired again.
2: You know, the joke here is, man, I'm glad Dolph Ziggler can finally go play his trade in New Japan now. Well,
1: I mean, it's just, (laughs) they're going to have to rely on someone else to save them. And one of the things I was looking forward to, maybe I was the only one, is the Ryback and uh, Rusev. And now that's stalled till after Royal Rumble, at least. It's kind of a double problem right here because, yes, now we have these guys who are out at least to the Royal Rumble. But if they're back at the Royal Rumble, then what did any of this mean anyway?
2: And what do they get by, oh, they screw the authority right back? You know, that, that, okay. And it's one of those great, where we great, great yeah. face guys, right. you know?
1: We, we can keep watching the story and maybe it'll all make sense and maybe it'll, but it's the same thing we just saw to Survivor Series. And what happens when they do get the one up on the authority again? Are we to wait another two months until the authority somehow gets power back again? And this oh, it's, all it's, happens it's, for the third on, time?
2: On, on Monday, one of those guys, then Monday after they get the upper hand, one of those guys turns. That's the story. That's always been the story. It's ridiculous. Right. I mean, it's the same story with uh, Daniel Bryan in a way when they did that with him.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, they never mentioned Daniel Bryan on the show. We didn't get much about Brock Lesnar on the show at all. They're we, both on next week. We we didn't get them advertised for next week, but they're going to be on the show next week, which is cool. It's, lo- it's uh, New Orleans next week, so it has a story about both of them. Um, you know, there's talk that, you know, people might be expecting a change of plans, and we might get that Daniel Bryan-Brock Lesnar match that I think probably a majority are wanting. Although if it's not for the title, I don't know if it has the big... Uh, uplifting nature to it I'm not sure but
2: it doesn't and also this change of plan thing we're being very optimistic about that aren't we because look how much arm-wringing it took for McMahon to change the plan from Orton and Batista
1: well yeah and we talked last week about how every match that we think was going to happen two months ago might still happen we're just Mm -hmm. you know we're in that three-month lull where we're hoping we get what we want whereas we don't You know, nothing's official yet. So we're, we have that belief that they might change their mind and probably this is all going to lead somehow into every match we already expected.
2: Well, what's funny is every character I think on this show took a bit of a step backward in terms of guys we were thinking were going to be bigger. I mean, they went back to the Putin thing for Rusev. That to me is a step back, not to mention, not to mention the spoilers from the house show.
1: Did you hear about this? rusev losing pinned he was pinned yeah first pinfall loss to roman reigns at a house show which yeah
2: it's not like it's not like anybody's gonna spread that around
1: yeah well i i don't know if that matters so much it um, doesn't
2: but it, it matters but it doesn't matter it, it's you know? one
1: of those things where yes now he's pinned so anytime you say he hasn't been beaten well it's it has i mean he has been beaten but, they're going to
2: still say that on TV. Oh, you yeah. They're, they're going right? to still use it because house shows don't matter. Yeah. yeah.
1: So why go to a house show? You know, house shows don't matter. Um, It's just, it's one of those things too where, you know, Dolph Ziggler, the Ryback, and Rowan got betrayed by John Cena. Is John Cena sting in this story? Oh,
2: man. <laughs> John Cena's put, the sting put, of the
1: story. You put a nice wrinkle
2: in that right there, didn't you? He's the I, sting. I, well, it's also the it's also a rehash of the man, John. I know that hustle, loyalty, and respect thing isn't real. You're really a dark person underneath all that. You should turn to the dark side right. story that we've gotten over and over and over again. We're getting a lot of recycled stories, and I'm starting to get the feeling that this Dean Ambrose story mm-hmm. is going to be the Daniel Bryan story when he was stuck with the Wyatt's.
1: Could be something like that. Um, yeah, we had Dean Ambrose losing. Again. In an ambulance match, which again, and I said it on Twitter, like, we got a clean finish. Bray Wyatt has the more important match for WrestleMania, most likely with The Undertaker, if The Undertaker comes back. You know, it makes sense to give him the win right now. Um, but yeah, I, this is what, our fourth stipulation match of this kind in a matter of three weeks.
2: It was a fun match, don't get oh, me wrong. Oh, the match As I, I really
3: match,
1: liked. It was, it was good, I enjoyed it. But yeah, you know, I, the promos I liked... don't mean anything, the right. build didn't
2: mean anything, nope. the matches really don't mean anything
1: crowd didn't care because they just wanted this program to end
2: that crowd was quiet or their mics were turned off
1: i don't know which it was yeah corpus christi usually a pretty good crowd they uh they didn't care one bit for a lot of the things on this show thank god they didn't get an emma segment because that just could have made it worse i mean it was it was pretty cesaro and tyson Kidd are now a tag team they are now a tag team and they kind of made their raw debut in a in somewhat of a way even though they've been on before you know they're they're a team, and they're buddies with Adam Rose.
2: They're, they're a superstars team, aren't they? Superstars Super, main event
1: type. Superstars. There was a, uh, it was the New Day's first Raw match. There was that tag team gauntlet they were a part of. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they <laughs>
2: yeah. And then they jobbed the New Day at.
1: Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you remember that one, yep. Uh, but yeah, now they're buddies with Adam Rose, and we got, you know, we got the Rose <laughs> Buds, and then the other Rose Buds
2: just group people together because we have nothing to do with them i don't know what i don't even i thought adam rose would be gone by
1: now so hey kudos to him i there's a lot of candidates right now that if they decide to cut a little fat come post wrestlemania there are a lot of candidates right now and uh do, I,
2: that... do we want that? That's the question. Then
1: we, lose, we lose a lot about NXT, don't we? I don't necessarily know if we want it. I mean, you, you should better utilize this talent that you have, but I'm just talking if you're, gonna, if you're in their mindset and you're trimming fat, there's, there's a few guys that you can get rid of that wouldn't be that big of a deal for them right now because they could have the same shows. I mean, they literally could have the exact same shows they're producing now without having to pay for, you know, as many people as they're paying for right now. So I I mean just in their mind. Uh before we continue on Raw, we did get a uh a voice message on our phone line about this Raw show. Uh,
2: oh, did someone take up my challenge?
1: I don't think anyone took up the challenge to praise Raw. I thought about calling in myself under a disguised <laughs> voice. Because I can be I can be super positive hey, guy this about this Rob show. From... Yeah. This is this is Rob from Fort Wayne. Oops, wrong. Wait. I mean uh Bill from North Dakota. Bill. Uh, let's play Taylor's call on this WWE raw show. Hey, Jeff and Rob, this is Taylor from Indiana.
3: Awful Jack on Twitter. It was an awful raw. I mean, I don't think much needs to be said about that, but I did find it very interesting. I thought that the show was clearly some plans were changing. At least that's how I felt about it. Rusev and Ryback was, uh, appeared to be dropped at least for the time being. Rusev was barely on the show. Um, it felt like a show that was very devoted to the authority and very much exposed that you can't run a show like that um, based around what is the authority going to do to John Cena's friends. It does not make for a very compelling show and John Cena doesn't care about his friends. I thought John Cena's acting in the final segment was atrocious. The Roman Reigns promo was bad. Um, they need to do something with, with, with him, I think, that's pretty obvious, and but, but a, a very interesting note is that they uh, they left Daniel Bryan off the show and they didn't mention him one bit. I don't know what that means. Um, probably just a uh, you know just wasn't on the show this week, so they didn't even think about it. But they barely even talked about the Royal Rumble match. Didn't promote the Royal Rumble match, and I think that's a big mistake. Um, the, Royal Rumble, the Royal Rumble will sell itself to a certain extent, but
1: I don't think it's a very smart idea to just leave it like that. So, what about that last point? The Royal Rumble is coming up. Yes. Okay. We didn't get a build towards that, except for the title match, which at this point, I don't know if adding Seth Rollins to the match actually makes it the main event anymore. I think you, I think you might main event with the Rumble itself. I'm not sure. Um, but what about I think that? They may, they may eventually write him out of it. You think that this was just a little tease? Might be. And it might just go back to a singles match at some point. I'm
2: I'm putting that as a possibility. That's no, you,
1: you could be right. We got plenty of time for that to happen. Um, but the Royal Rumble is coming up. And this is probably, to me, their best shot at gaining network subscribers since WrestleMania last year. Because I don't really consider SummerSlam that big of a deal as much as the Royal Rumble. This is their best shot. And they're really not building it up that much yet. We have the two matches. We have our Royal Rumble, but only two participants in the Royal Rumble. Now, granted, they're probably the two most likely to win, but how about this build so far early on for the Rumble?
2: I have a wacky theory, and it encompasses a lot of this. Um, The Mm storyline, the lack of Daniel Bryan mention. uh, They don't want any other guy to be seen as the guy other than Roman Reigns. Mm Mm-hmm and any other face that they have. And they also don't want to take anything away from the Randy Orton return, I think, as well. Okay. So I think that all fit, this all fits in together with that plan that it's like, okay, if we put Daniel Bryan on there, or if we continue with the Ziggler push as him being a guy that's going to break out to the next level, that takes the shine off of Roman Reigns.
1: I'm wondering if they're going to get into a mode where they think, Maybe we're pushing this guy a little too strong and we should, you know, settle down a little bit. Well, this is the last couple of weeks have been the first times where the crowd has been pretty organic in their support for Roman Reigns. Mm -hmm. Last week, you were, I was starting to hear a little of a mixed reaction for Roman because there's other guys in the show the crowds want to see a little bit more. And they're kind of getting that pushback from the fans on Roman because more and more are starting to see, okay, this is the guy they want us to like. And it could be anyone on the roster. They could be pushing Dolph Ziggler. And if WWE actually got behind Dolph Ziggler, I think the crowd would start to turn against him. I don't think the crowds these days like being told who to like.
2: In in a way. I think Dolph is the exception because he's been around so long. And I think people respect what he does in the ring. I Mm -hmm. don't think people respect what Roman Reigns does in the ring yet. Right. I don't think he has the heft to match the push. That's the thing. You can push a guy down our throats. You know, they did with Daniel Bryan to some extent, even though they kept, you know, taking subtle jabs at him the entire way. But you can push a guy down our throats, and if we like him, we'll get on that bandwagon. The problem is, and this is why, you know, this is why I think they beat down Ziggler and Ryback in the same week, the week after they were giving him such characterization. This is why they beat up Dean Ambrose fairly clean. Yeah. It it doesn't give you a guy to root for unless you want to look stupid in the eyes of the guy who's making all the decisions.
1: Sure. I just thought right now for a sec, this is completely off topic. Okay. That with you on video now, (laughs) the gimmick that you're Vince Gilligan is now ruined. To me, maybe that was only me. I don't know. Probably Uh. get that enough. Anyway, I'll
2: grow a a goatee and wear glasses. There you go.
1: And yeah, there you go. Um, The ambulance. I want to make note of this because I was seeing it all over Twitter. Papa Shango thing? The Papa Shango thing. (laughs) Did it not remind you of Papa Shango? Or a
2: skull. That's all I was thinking. I kind of saw that,
1: but I was thinking like nothing of it. And then I'm seeing more and more people on Twitter, you know, bring up this picture and mention Papa Shango. And it doesn't look exactly like Papa Shango, but it's. Once you see it as a face or something like that, you can't unsee it. You can't, you can't unsee that. But that. That was just me. That was, that was so far my highlight of WWE Raw was Papa Shango returning as the ambulance.
2: Really? I, I got to get back to this, uh, this Ascension promo.
1: All right, let's go on the Ascension promo. I, and before we do that too, I, we got an email. Oh? As my email now pops into your little video screen there. Um, we got an email... From Richard Grantham saying, the Ascension in their get-ups remind me of two four-year-old little boys walking around in their dad's way-too-big cowboy boots. <laughs> Trying to be little adults. Richard sends right. that in. What do you think? Let's talk about this Ascension little segment, why don't we?
2: <laughs> and got into mommy's makeup
1: cabinet? Maybe, yeah. Because it's I, that we've <laughs> talked about is just ridiculous. And you know, Joe Lanza from the Voices of Wrestling podcast has a theory about all this thing that I don't think a lot of people were picking up on, but I was kind of planting the seeds in my own mind as you know, kind of like this. But let, let's talk about the ascension. What were your overall thoughts Wait, about hold, this?
2: Hold on, you, you can't, you can't, you're burying the lead. What was the uh,
1: theory? You want me to say Joe Lanza's theory? So Joe Lanza is saying that last night on Raw, it was a clear. Uh, push to the story of the ascension, being that they are unaware, non-self-aware geeks who think they better than who think they're better than they are, um, but they're they're not self-aware about what they truly are, and that they are fodder, and that they are. I'll try to find his tweet here where he really says it to make sure so I don't misrepresent. Very, so
2: it's a very meta, 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 however you say it, meta, uh, yeah. promo. Kind, very, of, very, kind of in a know way. We, yeah. we know we suck. Right. But we're going to tell you we're bigger than we are. Oh, God. Something like I that.
1: Hope- I'm going to try to find this. But what were your overall thoughts about you know this whole Ascension deal from last night?
2: I just love the fact that we've now retconned what the WWE did to the Road Warriors. Huh. <laughs> that was the thing that stuck out to me because I'm watching that going, okay, bigger than Demolition who were basically meant to be ripoffs of the Road Warriors despite what people say oh no we didn't want that they were trying to get a road warriors for years that's why they hired the powers of pain as well mm-hmm. but they vince hated the road warriors name he retired it that's why they were, were known as the legion of doom in the wwe right um he had them sit at home for a year at one point and then brought them back with a ventriloquist dummy named Rocco if you recall that and the reason that memory sticks so far into my brain is that's the moment my brother quit watching wrestling. Okay. Because he was a Road Warriors fan. I mean, he was a mega fan of the Road Warriors and he saw the puppet and he said, That's it. I'm done. Right. Um, you know, he wanted them to grow out their hair, ditch the face, paint, and paint and change their names. And now, now they're being this revered team in 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 historical folklore of the WWF. I, that that floored me. This is another thing that I was talking about. The Ascension needs a manager to do this talking because they just don't come off as tough guys. They come, someone I forgot the comment, but someone says I've already gotten them in my mind as uh, beer gut and five head, hmm. <laughs> which I'm just like. Yeah, they look like old guys trying to be 80s villains and it's not working. They're not big enough, they're not jacked enough anymore. But I know Connor's lost or, Yeah, Connor's lost a lot of weight.
1: He's he's definitely smaller than he was, you know, even, you know, 3 years ago when he was still in developmental. Um Yeah.
2: Um and it's just, you know, this thing just and and what really hurt it was the commentary. That that's what it was this, this this promo got fine heel heat I thought kind of cheap heel heat but it was still fine until the moment where JBL Cole and Booker just started going these guys couldn't lace up the Road Warriors boots they thought they were helping I think and they weren't they were they were only detracting from the fact that these guys couldn't do that the they might be able to beat Demolition
1: they. Uh... <laughs> The the tweets from Voices Wrestling, at Voices Wrestling Twitter, uh, I think they are switching gears to pushing them as non-self-aware posers. Good uh-huh. move, if so, they were dead on arrival otherwise. Yeah, he's basically thinking that they're going to be poser tough guys who aren't self-aware and they're really not that tough.
2: Irony? Like, an it's I- be... An ironic gimmick?
1: Yeah, that's the gimmick. And you know what? Uh-huh. We've only seen it for a week right now, so it's too early to say either way, but... I just thought the commentary last night was going into business for themselves. JBL on commentary was burying the Ascension, uh, you know, for doing that promo that, you know, anti what a rush part of the promo. Lance Storm on Twitter is burying that part too, the burial of the road warriors. So uh, that's Uh, what we got going on. There's just one problem with that theory. Mm -hmm. They're still squashing guys. Yeah, but they're squashing complete geeks. True. Like they're the only ones get, they're getting the first weeks of the Ryback when he started, they're getting these complete okay. no name jobbers who they're beating up in a minute. What yeah, but happens? Ryback
2: wasn't an ironic pull. No, not at all.
1: But uh, I, it's very easily if they're going to be doing, say they are doing a poser gimmick like this. And all of a sudden they get in the ring with Los Matadores and Los Matadores pins them. You know, maybe this is all ironic and maybe we're going to get the, the blow off to the Ascension at WrestleMania in some way. I don't know.
2: Let me me ask you this, because this is something I thought of, and it was a phrase you used about the Ascension at one point. Okay. That these are Triple H's guys.
1: Yeah. Could this be a message? I'm starting to think that Vince really doesn't like Triple H. I mean, when we start seeing, you know, Charlotte lose (gasps) in no time to Natalia on Raw, and we start seeing the Ascension come up like this— and Adam Rose is coming up as a complete geek, and all these NXT guys are complete jobbers. Bo. So, is it is it Kevin Sammy Dunn? Is
2: Zane getting geeked out on main event?
1: Is Vince trying to put fire under Triple H by just burying every one of his creations and saying that you can't do it as well as I can, son? Ha ha
2: ha! You think you're an alpha male? I'm the real alpha male around here.
1: I mean, it what might is... just
2: be a it might just be a big rib.
1: Yeah. What's happening? (laughs) I I don't, I don't get what the plan is with any of these guys. If you're going to have these guys in developmental. Now, originally we were talking, you know, last year when we first started the show, I was talking about how the Ascension could be an all time NXT team, meaning that they were only in NXT and never came up. Like they were full time NXT guys. And that was going to be something that they can hang the NXT TV show on is that we have the Ascension, whether that was good or bad, who knows? but i never thought they were going to make it to wwe not because they couldn't or not because they wouldn't be wanted but because they were going to be lifelong nxt guys there would be certain people who would just be on nxt so that there would be a regular roster that you can build nxt tv around on the wwe network
0: obviously not, not the case bad,
2: no that no that's not a bad theory it's just I, i'm also thinking now rusev is the exception to the rule but he's a you know he's a guy that vince would look at and go, yeah, I want that
1: guy. Well, what's great is that he was a guy who didn't really do anything on NXT. It's not like he was anything special in NXT. No, that's he true. He became something special in WWE. So it's Vince all the guys who were special in NXT.
2: Yeah, so Vince made him pretty much.
1: Yes, and he yeah. has. I mean, we can't. No. We really can't say otherwise. Because while his gimmick was fun in NXT and that I, we saw a lot in him, he didn't do anything down there. He just right. didn't do anything. But this Ascension, I mean, they're beating up complete geeks. They were getting buried by JBL. JBL, the heel announcer, who is supposed to get over the heels, is burying this team as someone who can't hold the Road Warriors bags. First of right. all, most, you know, the kids in the audience don't know who the Road Warriors are. <laughs> they don't. And that's one of those teams where if you brought Animal back, the kids don't know who he is. There are certain guys from the 80s and 90s that if you brought back, I think some kids would recognize. I don't really know if the Road Warriors are one of those guys. One of those teams. And Animal's no, one of those guys. No,
2: they're I mean it's God, it's been what fifteen years. It, it was years like since, when
1: yeah, when Sid came back three years ago.
2: And they weren't treated that well in WWF, anyways. The only right. people that would really know them as these is this great tag team. Because on that on that last run, for God's sakes, that was the hawk getting drunk and drugged up storyline that eventually broke him up, and then they came back during that Hall of Fame induction as Animal and Heidenreich, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I I just, you're burying, the whole segment was just a disaster. No one's getting over. JBL's, you know, bashing the Ascension. They got that stupid eye makeup still, and that's part of it that makes me think Joe Lanza might be right on the money, is they're wearing the stupid makeup that makes them look like, you know, Sherry Martell or females. You know, they got the eye makeup going on. They got the little red. Now the red is bleeding into Connor's hair.
2: <laughs> you know what else looked like Sherry was woman on tonight's match. Yeah, that we reviewed.
1: We did. <laughs> we that,
2: that's that's something that stu- stuck out to me.
1: Yeah, we uh, we watched um, Lex Luger and Ric mm-hmm. Flair in a match that I did not going into. I did not look to see how long it was because I don't really as I told you, this was the first time I ever saw Luger and Flair from WrestleWar 1990. OK, so I didn't know how long it was. Hmm. So thankfully, I gave myself plenty of time to watch it before the show or else it would have bled over a little bit. Um, but yeah, in our top 100 matches to see, we watched number 93, Lex Luger, Ric Flair for the NWA world title, Wrestle War 1990. Uh, before we go into this match, opening thoughts on this battle for the title.
2: I just remember this time as being very confusing for me as a wrestling fan because this was when the end of this. This was still they were still the NWA at this point, mm-hmm. but they were transitioning into WCW and you could feel some of the effects of it. This was this was right after uh Starcade, which was going into it, was going to be one of my favorite pay-per-views, I thought, and it just turned out to be so bad. It just did I mean that this was the future shock pay-per-view, the Iron Man tournaments, where they took their they took their top four singles, which were Sting, Luger, Flair, and uh Muda. And they had originally their top four teams. It was going to be uh, the Steiners, the Road Warriors, the Skyscrapers, who I loved, and Doom, who I also loved. And then the Skyscrapers got injured, so they put in the head shrinkers. And then Muda lost every match. Um, this is post uh, Terry Funk getting uh, having his trifecta with Ric Flair. So Ric Flair was a face in the summer. And by this time, he's a heel again. Um, this also ties into our conversation with uh, with Dylan about the Hall of Fame, because this was re- the the Luger um, insertion into this main event wasn't supposed to happen. Sting had won Starcade uh, because he had the most points, but Luger hadn't been defeated in in with their scoring system, so it was setting up a bit of a rivalry there. But as you'll recall. Um, at Clash of the Champions in February, um, that was when uh, the infamous Sting gets kicked out of the Horsemen. And then running in to um, help against Gary Hart International, he tears his knee mm-hmm. to hell, which really ruined his first major chance at stardom, I think. And really derailed his his other chances of being a legendary, legendary performer, in my opinion. Um, not that he isn't, but, you know, that kind of that Hall of Fame level that everybody's looking for. I think not being there at the time he was supposed to really hurt him. And the NWA was in flux. I mean, they had already gone through Steamboat and Funk with Flair. It was time to bring up a new guy. Mm-hmm. And they had jobbed Muda out. Muda, was, Muda had quit at this point, and he was really the rising star in the NWA, along with Luger, that you could have taken. And so we get to this match, and then they don't make Luger either. They keep it on flair, which is probably a mistake. That's my opening thoughts, Your Honor. So <laughs> A bit long-winded, I apologize. Hey, but, hey. but I was alive during this point. I was in high school. Yeah. Was, and most of my friends watching wrestling were older and already graduated a bit during the heyday of, of the horsemen and whatnot. So this was really, you know, all I could remember, my, my biggest memory was, oh, the horsemen are reforming, but there's no Tully Blanchard. Where's Tully at? <laughs> Otherwise it's just this old guy, Ole back in it and his match at wrestle War is fine,
1: but you know, I was uh, four years old during this. <laughs> so I was not uh, watching this on pay-per-view by any means. I did. Um, yeah. So Wrestle War 1990, uh, the announcers for this battle, Terry Funk and Jimbo Diddley, mm,
2: Jim Ross. Yes.
1: Terry Funk kept calling him Jimbo Diddley. I don't think Jim Ross maybe appreciated that very much. But just speaking of the announcing, Jim Ross was intense in this match. Mm-hmm. Terry Funk. Was right not? (laughs) Well, I mean, he was right there with him. You know, I thought it was kind of funny how all throughout the forty minutes that this match took place, he was changing his pick to win based on who was on offense. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, He was explaining why all throughout because the story of this match was Lex Luger kept hitting military press after military press after military press, trying to weaken Ric Flair's back. And Terry Funk was talking about the backstory about the plane crash and why his back was hurting and how it was the, you know, the Achilles heel, if you will, and how all the wrestlers knew that, you know, Terry Funk and all the wrestlers knew that's what bothered him. Lex Luger knew that. But every time something like that was happening, you know, whether it was Ric Flair going for the shoulder of Lex Luger or Lex Luger going for the back of Flair, Terry Funk was right there to explain why he's going for that part and how that's going to play up into each man's finisher.
2: Yeah. And I do like, you know, for, for all I, I said, Funk was freshly retired. Right. He had been the main event of the last pay-per-view before Starcade, I believe, mm-hmm. um, with Flair in the finale. Or no, I'm, I'm misremembering that. Never mind. But no, but he had just freshly gotten, gone through a trifecta of matches with Flair. So there was still a little bit of that anger about losing to Flair seeped into this commentary as well. And he had some great comebacks to Ross as well. My, my favorite was, uh, (laughs) Jim Ross, as he often does, goes into the college background of a, of a protagonist. he said, (laughs) Luger graduated with a 3.78. Yes. And funk not missing a beat goes, yes, but does he have any common sense?
1: Right. He's talking about, Hey, yeah, he's, he's book smart, but does he have common sense? Terry funk. I have common sense. Yeah, it was
2: so weird because because Luger was a was a heel just a month ago until he had got got stuck in this match.
1: Right. So now the the crowd was behind. him.
2: No, the the fans, because the fans never wanted him to turn heel. Okay. he had turned heel against Steamboat during the summer and gone on his way. And he was upset with Sting for taking his shot at the title. And then when he was inserted, he had actually jumped into the middle of a match between Flair and Muda, I think they were fighting, and Sting had come in to make the save on Flair, which caused Sting to join the Horsemen, but Luger came in and attacked them both, so he was kind of, uh, he was, he was, he was shady on both sides of the, he was the heel that other heels even hated, so for him to be this mega face, which the people really wanted him to be, right, uh, and without any real build. I mean, he had a great promo with Gordon Soli before this match, I thought, uh, in which he was basically giving his strategy. Um, but what I really liked, especially in this match, that people don't do anymore in wrestling is Luger knows when to no-sell mm-hmm. certain things to be an even bigger face. And Flair knows that power moves aren't going to do it for him. So he does these little cheats like eye pokes and whatnot to get past that. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this match so good is Luger would keep doing these power moves and no selling chops, you know, and hulking up and whatnot. And then Flair would just get the upper hand by poking him in the eyes real quick. It was such a
1: great dick move. We started off Nick Patrick was the referee for this match. So for all you Nick Patrick fans, and I know there's millions of you, uh, this is your match right here. Uh, we start off with a stare down. There's a camera in the ring. This is Pat- great. Nick Patrick is going over the rules of the match. No explaining, no hair pulling. You got to five, you got a 10 count on the floor, all this stuff. And Luger is intently staring at Ric Flair all yeah. throughout this while Ric Flair is doing everything he can he's to avoid dancing, right? Yeah. He's dancing around. He's looking where woman is. He's backing up. No one's paying attention to Nick Patrick. Nick Patrick looks a little upset that no one's paying attention to him, but Ric Flair is doing his own thing. And then at the end, Ric Flair, uh, you know, Nick Patrick asked, do you have any questions? And Ric Flair is there, says, I have no questions. You got to beat the champ. Lex Luger. You got to beat the champ. Are you ready? And the crowd is just getting so loud during this opening rules meeting.
2: And they're just jawing at each other the entire time. That's the best part.
1: Uh, It took all of five minutes for us to start getting, you know, Heavy action. And by heavy action, I mean they were running the ropes. He gives them the first military press uh, of the match, uh, which would be the first of many of those. Uh, But they got to this quick pace. And then you realize how good Ric Flair is at pacing long matches because they were going spurts like this. There would be one big move. Let's settle down. One big move. Let's settle down. We get the crowd into it. They fall out. We get the crowd back into it. They fall out. It it's was, it's the like, it's like, was wonderful. It's like
2: riding waves, yeah. and it's it's so. It, you know, they say you can have a match with a broomstick. That's how good he is, and and he's so good at that. So okay, here you go. Here's your comeback. Here's your comeback. Here's your comeback. Now we slow down, and I get the heat back on you. I get the heat back on you. Yep. Now back 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 back. Not yet, not yet. It it's withholding. It it's a pattern, but it's an a pattern of runs so to speak like a basketball game sure. and it, and it's not like the WWE style which is a very choreographed okay here's where you know the comeback's going to be here's where you know to pay attention here's where you you know kind of here's where his big move's going to be you can you can almost smell it where where in a in a WWE move whereas in this one it builds and builds and builds and then it withholds it from you until it builds it again and then it withholds it from you again
1: and this is this is 1990, so we go about 15 minutes into the match, and at this point, Ric Flair puts on a—he's uh, working the arm and the shoulder of Lex Luger. He mm-hmm. puts on the hammerlock, and Nick Patrick is right there in Lex Luger's face, you know, asking him if he wants to give up. Ric Flair is using the ropes for leverage on this hammerlock, and Nick Patrick doesn't see it, and it's just weird to see now because you know every match, you know, half of the matches end in a tap out, a submission. And Lex Luger is just there tapping like crazy on the mat, pounding in pain to try and get his mind off the other arm that's going crazy. And Nick Patrick is just there asking him, do you want to quit? Do you want to quit? And, of course, Lex Luger, he's not going to quit that way.
2: I actually like this more than the tap out. I do. I like seeing guy faces suffer a bit. And,
1: and you gotta—you got to actually verbalize even, the I quit.
2: Yeah. actually, yeah. You actually have to say I quit to yeah. quit. Otherwise the beatings will continue until morale improves. You know, it's and faces. Then when they get their revenge, you can't stop the match just by tapping and getting out of there. Like a
1: wussy, you got to take your beating too. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got uh, later in the match, of course, um, basically the, the match was the match. We get the final 10 minutes and sting walks on out. So you talked about how sting wasn't, wasn't able to get into this match himself. He's coming out on crutches. Stupid
2: babyface Sting.
1: Stupid babyface Sting, who keeps, (laughs) I mean, throughout the decade of the 90s, he just kept costing Lex Luger opportunities. And this was the first one here. Sting comes out, and he's trying to motivate Lex Luger. Lex Luger is kind of, you know, he's at the the disadvantage of Ric Flair late in the match. Sting is there to motivate him. He's slapping him around. He's telling him, you got to do this. You got to fight back. You got to kick his you-know-what. He's of course a baby face. <laughs> he's not going to curse. Yeah, How dare baby you? Faces
2: don't curse until the Austin era,
1: but sting walks out with his crutches. You know, Lex Luger hits another gorilla. Plus he, he's coming back on yes. Ric Flair. It's fired up, but then who shows up? Arn and Oli. those Ugh. Andersons come on out. They interfere. Well, first before that, those
2: damn Andersons. right?
1: And Nick Patrick is in the corner. Lex Luger and Ric Flair, you know, they, they crush each other in the corner and Nick Patrick's caught. Nick Patrick goes down So the Andersons come out, and they try to beat up Lex Luger, but that doesn't work. Lex Luger gets
2: him off and gets him out of the ring.
1: He fends him off out of the ring, but then they see... And they see the cripple. The crippled guy. Poor little Sting is there. What an easy target. And as Lex Luger has Ric Flair in the torture rack, the Andersons go after Sting, and Luger has to decide whether to keep the rack on and win... Or go help his friend. his
2: friend. Oh, (laughs) you moron. Get the title. You can make other friends.
1: He went out to help his friend. He goes out to fight off the Andersons again. Ric Flair wisely stays in the ring. Nick Patrick counts to 10. And Lex Luger loses this 40-minute NWA title match. Via count out of the ring, Ric Flair holds on to his title, clutching it. Like the strong heel he is. And you know what? It was not like a count out of today where it's just complete and utter bullshit. Or just go, oh man, really? It's an aw man. Like Lex Luger, he put his friend ahead of the world title. His his injured friend. And he, lo- he lost the title. Ric Flair wins in 40 minutes and, and, at Wrestle War 90.
2: And for me and my friends, it was, yeah, Ric Flair, smarter than those stupid baby faces.
1: Yeah. He's got more <laughs> friends too. Sting's only friend was Lex Luger. Ric Flair has two friends. And the numbers game come out to win for him. This match Actually,
2: three, including woman. If
1: you include woman, yep, yep, that it was, was uh, that's true. Uh, Jim hottest,
2: Ross, hottest trick ever in wrestling. Jim I Ross
1: think. was completely uh, his heart was a flutter by woman. <laughs> if I <laughs> if I heard correctly,
2: oh the Funk's response to that. Oh yeah, like, like, that was great. I like I like girls too, but I like me some wrestling even more. Something like yeah, uh, that
1: yeah he he said i don't need to be looking the camera would go on to woman yeah he's like get that camera off woman get him back on the competition i don't need to be seeing a pretty woman right now that's a married man right there that's a married man that's terry (laughs) funk uh this was on the same show as i think a match that you made me watch like early on doing this show when we were talking about hall of fame it was a rock and roll express midnight Midnight express was on this show um
2: it's pretty good pay-per-view overall. I mean, I even like the Anderson Steiner brothers match. Yeah.
1: The- so uh Dave Meltzer gave that tag match four and a half stars. He gave this world title, or excuse me, he gave the world title match four and a half stars. So this right. was one of those where if you're looking for a good, you know, Lex Luger match, this is going to be one of the best ones you're going to find. Um, You know, again, like I said, I didn't go into it knowing how long it was. It felt maybe like 20, 25 minutes. I thought it was a long match. I'm thinking, oh, no, okay, yeah, it went 40 with entrances with all the shenanigans both before and after this was a good 50 minutes of uh, tv right here and it flew by it was an excellent match i thought luger was really good in this one you know not the luger we got to see later on in wcw when i first became a fan
2: yeah no i'm looking at the card right now i'm trying to remember some of the other matches i oh man that road warriors skyscrapers and it's not even the real skyscrapers it's uh the man who would later become known as the Undertaker and uh, Mean the Mike The
1: Taker, and the Mauler in a fight, Mike Anus. Yeah.
2: Mike Anus. You know what was funny? But is... I, I know him as half of the
1: Destruction Crew. Right? So. Sure? After I, this, after this match, there, Jim Ross is promoting the next pay per view, which is coming up in May. Yeah, and he, he promotes NWA Armed and Dangerous, which would <laughs> eventually become Capital Combat. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, which would, I think, had the cage match between Robocop. Luger and it also had RoboCop. Yep. Fun stuff. Actually,
2: you know what? You know what is a fun opening squash type thing. If you really hate white meat, babyface teams is that Kevin Sullivan, Buzz Sawyer versus the dynamic dudes. Mm-hmm. It goes 10 minutes, though. That seems a bit long. And Cactus Jack's also on the card, but yeah. that's nothing to write home about.
1: Nope. But that was wrestle war 90 and number 93 on the top 100 matches to see before you die on WWE network as brought to you by wwe.com number 93 Lex Luger, Ric Flair, uh, number 92, I believe is a six man featuring the shield that we'll get to next week. Uh, so we will watch a SmackDown six man. For next week, shake them ropes.
2: Yeah, not the best Ric Flair match on this h- top 100, but definitely a clinic in how Ric Flair...
1: There will be more. ...could,
2: could carry a guy of... I'm not going to say Lex Luger was terrible, because he, he. I think he gets undervalued as a worker. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but he's not, you know, he's, <laughs> he's not Tanahashi out there. So, but Flair can take him 40 minutes and be compelling the entire time.
1: He's not... Uh for the Dylan Hales is out there. He's not rush. If you will (laughs) not rush. Um, yeah. So uh, as far as, uh, I don't get that reference necessarily. He's, he's not a big Tanahashi fan.
2: Oh, he's not. Okay.
1: Big rush fan, big Timothy Thatcher fan
2: rush. Okay. Never mind. I was thinking the band for some reason.
1: No, the wrestler. Okay. Down in Mexico. Oh yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So, uh, new Japan is over. Um, Give brief thoughts. We should uh, probably do that on New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 9, which was called by Jim Ross. I did watch the Global Force presentation called by Jim Ross and Matt Stryker. Um, Jim Ross, excellent in the main event. Matt Stryker, pretty good throughout the entire show. Jim Ross took a while to get going. Um, But uh, yeah, the main event, I mean, that was my favorite match in the show. Whether you think Nakamura and Ibushi was better or the best match in the night, that's great. I thought it was excellent. I enjoyed more than anything else on that show. Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, the main event for the IWGP title. Awesome match. Um, I wasn't as surprised that Tanahashi won as some others that are out there. I know Rich was really surprised. Rich Kreich, um, he was shocked, if you will. A lot of stories going on. But overall on this show, you had the Young Bucks, you had the Time Splitters, you had AJ Styles, you had, if you're a fan, of course, of New Japan, you had all the superstars that you're used to over the last year. Excellent show. And a positive from global force. Cause again, I thought Jim Ross did an excellent job in the one match that he had to do an excellent job in.
2: Yeah. And that's the only match I thought he really brought it to. And he obviously had studied these guys. I think he tried on the Nakamura match mm-hmm. and I think he was okay. And I think Matt striker was unfairly demonized before this whole thing. And I thought, he, Oh yeah. As, as, as they said in the big Lebowski, he was like the rug. He kept that room together. He had his facts. Yep. He had his history. Yes, he sometimes became Matt Stryker at times, which but, can be grating. But, but
1: you can do overall, that once a show like that.
2: Overall, I thought Matt Stryker was really good yeah. for the most part on this um, and really kept JR in the game and focused mm-hmm. on certain things. I mean, he knew his history. He could fill in the blanks where JR had forgotten or just maybe didn't study as hard. Um or just you know and, was trying
1: to keep up cuz Jim Ross a lot of the show was just trying to keep oh, up with yeah. things so he was a step behind it wasn't it was exactly what everyone thought would happen is that he it didn't have not, the instinctual knowledge yeah, of everything
2: it was not WCW Jim Ross right. out there this was WWE Jim Ross trying to keep up with the action as opposed to trying to call it like a sport
1: yeah, keep up just with um, everything that was going on names and and everything but he he did great again in the two matches he had to do great in he was great he did he, his job he
2: really got into stride. I thought when Okada hit the drop kick in mm-hmm. the main event, that oh, yeah. was really what he was waiting for. I think, and well, he and was saying like- that he
1: would, he would tell us, he was telling us he was waiting for that drop kick. Cause Kazuchika told him before the match that he was going to hit that drop kick at the most in- opportune time. And Jim Ross was setting that move up for 20 minutes until it finally happened. Um, he was, he was stressing the importance of this match. He got into another gear. It's as if he was consciously yeah. saying he was going to call the show as a good show, but really get into Jim Ross main event mode for the main event. He was making sure that that was the match that got the most importance from his voice.
2: And there were a few glimpses of that in the uh, Nakamura match as well. Like when they were just sure. beating the hell out of each other, he, he you could tell he was like, Oh, here, and then he kind of would, would hold back a bit. Uh, the matches overall. I mean, I, I, the matches that needed to be short were short, mm-hmm. which I liked. I liked the tag team match. I liked the Noah Match because hey, Toru Yanu finally won one. He did. Um, I have a sick, perverse pleasure in enjoying that Toki Makabe match. I loved that. There's two beefy dudes beating the hell out of each other.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I think that was one of the matches that a lot of people were looking forward to for that, you know, for that pleasure right there of seeing the two strong style dudes it, just. It- just and whack
2: yeah. Yeah,
1: and you had that. You had Tomalaki Hanma. Uh Homa was Hanma getting the got win a there. win. He got the yeah. win over uh over Jeff Jarrett's team. So and the crowd
2: popped hard for that too. That's what I liked.
1: I went uh in a prediction game where I actually did well, I went <laughs> you know, Voices of Wrestling. You get all the uh all the contributors, they they do reviews. Because there a were so contrib- many matches on the show and so many contributors wanted to take part, um, we basically divided up the matches. We previewed the ones that we were really looking forward to a lot. I previewed, uh, you know, a few of the matches. I went three and three in my predictions. You know, I predicted Honma to win, which That's was good for you. It's good, three for three. <laughs> yeah, I oh, got three all the for right. three. I thought, you, I thought you said
2: three and three.
1: No, three four, three. I got all okay. the ones that I predicted. I got AJ Styles right. Uh, I predicted. Uh, the tag title change, Go to and Shibata. They got the tag team titles from Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. But that was the one that I was unsure about. The Bullet Club six man with Homa against you know Jarrett uh, Jarrett's team, and Homa got the win. Surprising, he hit the headbutt from the top rope. The crowd went nuts. It was a good show. I was a bit
2: I was a bit surprised. Jr. brought up the two guys with the broken necks, but for the uh, Styles clash, it fit now, into the commentary. It, it fit into the Fine, match too. That's just that's just fascinating that they that. I wonder if he got AJ's permission for that.
1: Well, no. AJ's promoting the broken necks for that oh, Styles he? Clash move. That's part of the story there in Japan is that they know this move has broken uh-huh. people's necks. It is the most dangerous move. So when okay. AJ Styles um, caught that Hurricane Rana on Naito uh, in the in in that match and caught him for the Styles Clash off the middle rope, it was such a huge deal for that oh, crowd. Yeah. yeah, they saw that it was, coming,
2: and that was a match they botched in oh. uh, PWG. Yeah, well... With Brian Myers when he tried to do Bola.
1: Brian Myers has a weird body shape to him these days. Like, he's a big guy, but he's big... He's bigger top-heavy. Okay. The legs are kind of skinny still. Top-heavy, so... I mean, look at Brian Myers in that match. I'm not saying anything out of school here. You know, I
2: just, no, I just found it audio. You know, he has a weird body shape. I'm like, how often have you been looking at
1: Brian Myers's body? Well, if you look him compared to when he was Kurt Hawkins into now, you know, the legs haven't gained any size, but he's got a little, he's, he's not oh, necessarily of Chris those. hero, but he's bigger in the midsection. He's a weird, it's a weird weight to have to shift for a style. Like it's
2: like, he's only been working out upper body and not even doing that. I mean, let him, yeah,
1: he's just a heavier dude. Than Naito was. I mean, that's just the case of that right there. And AJ yeah. Styles is ready for this one, but no, the show overall was excellent. A full oh, coverage, full coverage at Voicesofwrestling.com. I'm sure go Rich and Joe. Go watch it if
2: you have. I don't care how you do it. Go watch it. It's it's it'll it'll be a nice palate cleanser from the WWE.
1: Okay. And if you were one of those who watched the New Japan World version as opposed to the Global Force version because you thought that Ross and Stryker would ruin the show for you, they did Hi. not. Hi. Yeah. They did not ruin right. <laughs> that show for you. So go watch that show. Uh Joe and Rich, I'm sure, will talk about it in length, probably for and a good four hours on Voices of six Wrestling hours. this week.
2: Looking forward to oh, it. Oh
1: yeah. So they'll talk about that plenty. Um I know you wanted to talk a little bit about NXT.
2: A little bit. Not too much. I uh Charlotte is perplexing to me right now. Because yeah. she's still <laughs> She's still smiling and slapping hands, and then she gets in the match and tells the fans to shut up. <laughs> okay. Um.
1: She's a weird character. She hasn't found it yet.
2: She And I don't know if it's her or if it's the scripting, and then they add even... Why are we bringing Natty back to team with her? Why? We, we This just exacerbates what they did to her on Raw, in my opinion.
1: I wonder if they just want to get... You know, because the NXT crowd they like Natalia. They I
2: wonder... think she. They think Natty brings credibility, right? And I'm not sure, given <laughs> given what she does on the main roster now, ba- basically being involved in a diva storyline. And, is... and I get and I get that. Okay, yeah. you called Sasha your your best opponent, and then Natty comes out to help you. Okay, you know,
1: All right. Well, the crowd they they do buy Natalia a little bit, you know, regardless of what goes on the main roster, because they still buy Charlotte, even though she loses on the main roster against Natalia in two minutes. It yeah. Doesn't really matter to them; it's their own thing. Yeah. I, I think the credibility with Charlotte is built up by her beating all these girls on the show in singles matches. I don't think you need Natalia, but it's a nice change of pace, so you don't have the four that you've had feuding together all the time still feuding together. But it throws a wrench into the possible four-way with Bailey, Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky because now you have yeah. Natalia in the mix. What, is she going to be in a title feud at some point or was she just in for the one taping?
2: And I really didn't think the Sasha promo did any favors in terms of, well, oh, those losses don't matter because I'm just going to hurt you. I think, it, you know, yeah, you beat me and then just drop the mic and go kick her butt. You know, less is more. Stop talking. Go kick some butt. Um, I'm starting to think Enzo's going to job to Carmella. Am I wrong on that?
1: Um, I, I don't know if they're going to do that. They don't like to do those <laughs> women versus men things, but um, I don't know. I I don't know what they're just doing with those two. You had blue pants come in. Who's not getting a contract? They're not signing Leva Bates. They're not. Oh, I'm oh. sure they're not. I think they might reconsider after this, but who knows? Yeah, I'm sure they're not signing Leva Bates, but maybe they will. I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe she doesn't want to be signed. I don't know. Um. Something I, I, to that, But at some point, you got to stop putting over someone who's not contracted to you and start, you know, use one of the girls who you have in developmental use Devin Taylor for that role. I don't know. Just find someone else. You know, it's a fun little goofy story.
2: Enzo's growing on me. Uh, the use of the prices, right? Acapella as the theme. Mm-hmm. Do that every time because that's the best thing that happened this week. Uh, <laughs> no, he's good. That, that 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 no, they were playing the recording of it after her win.
1: Oh, after the win, <laughs> right? Yeah.
2: And it was just it was on. They have a recording of it. How awesome is that? <laughs>
1: right. I uh I just yeah we had the Ascension Finn Balor Tommy Ascension. oh Jesus more of the Ascension back when they weren't wearing the makeup so you got to see what the Ascension is like when they're the Ascension. Where if and they're, they're the ever going to be anything, they got to ditch the makeup. I don't know if they're ever going to be anything. But Finn Balor and Hideo Itami got to move on from that. Thank God they, they should be after this. I, I'm interested because this set of tapings, again, was a whole bunch of rematches and a whole bunch of not moving forward. I really want to see what's going to happen at the next tapings, which is only you know about nine days away on the 15th for the future shows. Because that's really when we're going to start seeing where the programs are going.
2: Yeah, more of these, you know this bold Dempsey. <laughs> Actually they're doing that right with uh old lone wolf boy. Yeah, that one that one's fine. He's and not talking and he's kicking ass. Although the the, the hamstrung uh, hey CJ, we need to talk. Yeah. You know, well okay. You can do that better, but it got the point across.
1: What's good about that is because it's a program between two guys who are WWE system guys. In everyone's minds, they're not indie stars who are out there. It's not Kevin Owens against Sami Zayn. It's not Finn Balor, right. Hideo Itami. It's not, uh, you know, it's two guys who are WWE system guys going at it. The crowd is into uh, Baron Corbin. They will be into him when he wins because he is going to win. Bolt Dempsey is not winning that match when it eventually happens. And this is a way that you set up Baron Corbin as being a top guy in that company for the next year. And he's your guy. Which is all good news. You can promote the Performance Center. Promote your teaching methods. Look at this. We've gotten Baron Corbin over.
2: Yeah, and hes they're doing with him what they should be doing with Roman Reigns, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, briefly, you know, I figured out that Con- I think Connor's doing a Christopher Daniels gimmick.
1: He might be trying to. Trying to. Um, but uh, it's not going to work.
2: I find that fascinating. But nevertheless, that's an
1: aside. I don't know. Um, I, I'm still, I'm still high on Connor and Victor. I mean, I'm higher on Connor than anything than most people are. It's yeah. not like I'm thinking he's going to be a main event player or anything no, like I saw that. Your
2: tweet on, I saw your tweet. on I'm that.
1: higher than most people are on them, but the shit they're doing now is not going to work. Renee is absolutely dreadful on commentary. She is very bad on commentary. We've been saying that <laughs> for a while. At least I have. She's oh, not have good too. on commentary. She's perfect as a backstage interviewer. She's perfect hosting these pre and post shows. She's not good on commentary and it's stop, not. Stop blaming who she's with
2: people. Those those of you who have been saying, oh, Renee's not that bad. It's just when she's stuck with Alex Riley, it's when she. Uh, no, no, she's, she's bad. bad. She's bad.
1: And I don't want to get any of these responses. Oh, you're just saying that because she's a woman and you're not used to it. No. If there was a woman that was good on commentary, I'm all for it. She's yep. not very good. No, and she's trying to be too cute. She's being entertaining. She's trying to be entertaining. And it's, she's not the worst one of the bunch. She's no, not very good. And they're, she's not Jason Albert. And she's learning. You know, I was a big, uh, I was not a supporter of rich Brennan. The first couple of shows he was doing. And now he's not bad. You know, people rich get better is, think, in that role.
2: I think rich is perfectly competent. Yeah. You, As like, a you like rich man. Brennan. Yeah. I uh, like Tom Phillips. He's the best of a bad bunch. And, and Phillips. See, I haven't heard enough of Phillips lately. Cause all you know, he always got stuck with, Byron Saxton, who sucks, or with Michael Cole, who buries him all the time.
1: <laughs> are you so, uh, are you excited one bit, or are you going to watch or try to watch TNA's redebut on Destination America on Wednesday? We the, Wolves press- the, <laughs> the Wolves and the Hardys. The Wolves and the Hardys.
2: I should put it on my DVR then, because I like tag team wrestling.
1: Actually, I'm not sure if the Wolves and the Hardys are on that first show or not. I think they are. I'm not sure. I know they're on the tapings in New York. I don't know if they're on that first show. The main events: Bobby Lashley against Bobby Roode uh, for the title. Kurt Angle's there. You know, rumors of them trying to get Alberto Del Rio. Rumors of them trying to get the Great Kali. We'll see what happens with any of those people. Um, it's New York. They're not selling out the building. I mean, it's no. the same company. It's the same TV show. Just because they go on Destination America doesn't make people all of a sudden want to watch it and want to see what they're gonna do because it's gonna be the My- same
2: thing. Except for Mike Tanay, who couldn't do the New Japan pay-per-view because he was
1: involved with this. I tell you what, after the fact, this is a total hindsight move. After the fact, Matt Stryker to me was the perfect person to do that color. Huh. I think that was yeah, the no, right I call.
2: Think, I think Matt Stryker would have been better served with a better play by play guy. That could be too. I think I think, think Morrow would have probably been better than JR here.
1: Oh, I definitely think Morrow would have been Better, but Or as a
2: third man. How about a third man, a three-man booth?
1: But for the first show, you had to get yeah. some type of star, and Jim Ross was that star. I, I think the commentary team worked in hindsight. I think they made the right moves on both of them. Jim okay. Jim Ross may not have been the best person. If you're just looking at it singularly at that show, would he have been the best play-by-play guy? Probably not. No. But for the overall you know, growth, if they're going to do another New Japan show, if they're going to do a pay-per-view with someone else, Jim Ross was the right guy. It gave him credibility. And uh, you know what? That main event, that main event was good and it was best served with Jim Ross calling it.
2: And I'll be interested to see how Morrow and uh, Josh Barnett play off of one another on the access
1: show. Absolutely. New Japan on access TV starts, uh, I believe next Friday. I think it is, Um, but it's coming up here on access. You're going to have plenty of TV to watch. If you're not enthralled with WWE leading up to the Royal rumble, you got New Japan, you got Lucha Underground, you got Ring of Honor on TV, you got Pro Wrestling Syndicate if you live in New York on TV. There's a ton of stuff, but I want WWE to be good. I want yes. them to be so I good. I want them to be better. Yeah, I I tweeted out that I was skipping a Friends binge watch session on Netflix to watch Raw, and believe me, I try to be super positive about the show because I want to like it,
2: and Email sometimes
1: front. it's difficult to do. Was this a lady front? No, Friends the TV show.
2: Oh, Friends. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Friends the television show.
2: Uh...
1: I did have to interrupt my Tinder game, yes, but we'll we'll see what happens with all go that
2: watch friends go watch arrow go watch flash go all
1: watch right. something else i'll go watch all these shows but uh i'm gonna watch main event here in a little bit you can catch main event reviews on oh yeah on voices of wrestling.com you,
2: you got more homework to do uh, yeah.
1: i can't wait i love it but that was uh that was this week in wwe and uh we'll we'll come back next week with more wwe talk the road to the royal rumble as well as uh, number 92 on our top 100 countdown, a Shield six-man against Team Hell No and Randy Orton from SmackDown a couple of years ago. Uh, just a reminder, we are on YouTube now. You can go to com and watch videos of these episodes. Uh, hopefully this episode will have Jeff on there uh, as we're trying that out. If uh, my computer breaks because I put Jeff's video on there, then I guess we won't have Jeff. We'll see. I-
2: I hope the special <laughs> effects work and that my beautiful African-American face makes the camera.
1: I'm going to do that photo booth gimmick where I turn you into an alien. Um, that'll be, that'll be fun stuff. Uh, right, but like an alien, but we are on YouTube. Catch our previous shows. We still have the shake them ropes award show on our website at shake as well as a 10 minute clip of uh, my, my conversation with Dylan Hales talking about the MVP of 2014. We have our interviews up with Jeff Jarrett and Nick Dinsmore up at shake and uh, again, we encourage you to go to voicesofwrestling.com too if you're a big fan of wrestling in general because they cover everything. They cover WWE with our show. Rich and Joe do a great job of covering New Japan and some of the uh, other independent companies and just what's going on in the world of wrestling as a whole. So, a lot of cool stuff at ShakeThemRopes.com and voicesofwrestling.com. For Rob McCarron, I will say goodbye.
0: Here it comes again. Lunch.